Yo, so this is episode number 63. This is going to be our last episode of 2020. Before we get into the podcast, be sure to follow us on all of our social media. That includes Twitter and Instagram at WRGOPod. Be sure to subscribe on YouTube where you can watch this video in full. Be sure to like, listen, subscribe, and comment on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Also, be sure to check out our website where you can catch up on everything WRGO related at what's really going on pod.com. I am joined by Henry and Mackenzie as always. How are you guys? I'm good. I'm good. Happy to be here. Oh, thank you. No, Henry. I'm busy planning this party. So if you're an ATL, pull up, buy your tickets at the umbrella network.co, all of that. But yeah, we excited. We busy. And that means we blessed. Temperature checks at the door, everybody, for all of our... (laughs) By the way. By the way. (laughs) COVID friendly. Uh, All right. So we're going to get right into it. Uh, The big news of today, at least Thursday, December 17th, uh, is Congress is debating a COVID package. Uh, So as of today, congressional leaders are close to agreeing on a $900, a $900 billion package. Lawmakers also have until Saturday at midnight to fund the government. It is worth noting that last week jobless claims rose to almost 900,000, the highest since September. Uh, If Congress does not reach an agreement, 12 million people will lose federal benefits. A COVID income and poverty dashboard report reported that nearly 8 million Americans have fallen into poverty since June. Uh, That's the same time the $600 federal unemployment benefit expired. Most importantly, Congress is looking to include a $600 payment to Americans, nearly half of the 1,200 distributed in April. So I'm sure for all of those who are living in New York, you get $600 and you're probably still 1,100 short on rent. So that's great. Um, how should we feel about this potential COVID package heading in to the new year? I know the, you know people talk about the vaccine, but how should we, how should we feel about this? You didn't see my mouth drop. <laughs> Like when you said COVID package, literally my mouth dropped because I already knew they were talking about 600, bro. You know, like you said, people that stay in New York, DC, any major city, what is this doing for you? That ain't even rent, my boy. I mean, let's yeah, not even I mean, just talk about rent. We could talk about if you have a kid, what childcare is that really covering? How long is that? <laughs> does that even cover a week of childcare? Like half assed again. Yeah, our government sucks. I think our government, I think, and it's what's crazy about this is that I think um, our government has always been half-assed. And I think people, to a certain degree, have always noticed it. I think Black people, because we or minorities have always notoriously got the short end of the stick. But I think that because COVID happened to everyone everyone who's not necessarily minority is also getting the short end of the stick and now people are like waking up because i saw a story and they were trying to be like um oh this is like the government needs to do better this is the first time the government has left their community high and dry and it's like 
the first. People in Katrina. <laughs> like That's people, why I said you could say black people because black yeah. people always get the short end of the yeah. So what you say, Katrina, to yeah. this COVID? Like, we are literally the most affected by this from. I mean, shoot, look at Flint. They still ain't got yeah. water. Yeah. They still yeah. got water. You get, we could talk about housing disparities to where, you know what I'm saying, we're living in certain buildings to the conditions aren't up to even like city regulations to pay pay uh like the pay uh gap we could talk about a lot black people always getting a short understand and then it's six hundred dollars it's a laugh in your face because again you know they cap it at certain living wages or your your you know how much you yeah. get your income yeah. over. so it'll be black people or minorities people of color however you want to word it that receive this for the most part right and like yeah McKinney, i mean it'll be yeah i mean all of us are gonna get it <laughs> right. mean, yeah. and then when you talk about health care these people who have to pay a certain amount for prescriptions and certain uh, like insulin or whatever that stuff yeah. is constantly increasing in price uh, I mean, you too, about, if you look at like even something that we all pay like student loans like i think in the package that they have now i think they're gonna do another extension but it's I don't think it's going to be for as long. Like, I think that's I a think ticking time hard. bomb. Like, why is that still a thing? I mean, that's but a whole Why are we still paying that? If, if they could pause it for this long, they just might wear a cancer that amount. Well, I need Biden to sign that executive order on day one. But, but I mean, Day one, yeah. that's what they're trying to do, ain't it? Yeah. I mean, I think the, the thing for me is that it's like, what are you – I've never understood the point, and I know, like, Republicans always do this, where they're like, oh, we don't want to spend money, but, like, I don't understand, I can, I've never heard someone articulate the point of, like, why wouldn't you want to give someone money? Because at least from the standpoint of, like, even if you're a Republican or a Democrat, if I get that $600, I'm spending it at a grocery store. I'm gonna, I'm not pocketing that money. So I've never understood that rationale of like, oh, it's too high cost where it's like, okay, unless you're just going to pay for me to not do anything, I have to go to work. I have to buy stuff. So like that $600, like Henry, you're going to spend it on something. Mackenzie's going to go somewhere and spend it on something. It's not like we're pocketing the money to spend it at like one place. Like I'm going to spend it at the grocery store. I'm going to go buy something for somebody else. I'm going to go put gas in my car. I'm going to go shop at a local business. Like I've just never understood that. So like, Getting six hundred dollars, like that's literally the definition of like that's cute, but yeah, it's cute. <laughs> Not even that's an insult. That ain't cute, bro. That's yeah. Insult. I mean, and then it's like, I wonder what's gonna happen once like Biden gets elected because he or once once he finally like gets in office because he was basically like this is a down payment on what's gonna come, but if Congress can only agree to nine hundred billion. With Trump in office, I don't know if like people are gonna want to do anything else. Like, so what does that look like? Because they initially tried to get like two billion, and people were like, "Nah, we're not spending that much." So like, I don't know what this looks like in, but six hundred, sure. Uh, so moving on, this is a topic that we're really interested in. Uh, it has to do with Biden's cabinet picks over the past few weeks. Biden has made nominations to his senior staff and cabinet. During the campaign, Biden made the pri- he made it a priority to have a uh, diverse cabinet and administration. So far, Biden has selected 11 black or brown people to his cabinet level positions and 10 women compared to Obama's 12 and Trump's six. At this rate, Biden is on track to have the most uh, women in his cabinet on day one. Uh, so far, Biden's black nominees include Kamala Harris as VP, Lloyd Austin as Defense Secretary, Marcia Fudge, Housing and Urban Development, Cecilia Rounds, Council on uh, Economic Advisors, 
uh, Michael Regan as EPA uh, administrator and Linda Thomas Greenfield as the ambassador to the UN. Uh, on the other side of this, some black lawmakers have called on Biden to do more. They were especially upset over Biden's agriculture pick, Tom Vilsack, uh, who has not prioritized hunger and civil rights in the agricultural space. Um, what should we take from Biden's picks? I think that he's getting kind of praised for talking about or for having a, you know, a diverse cabinet. But like, what does that actually mean? Can I just ask who is these people? Y'all remember that GIF when I'm Kiki Palmer? <laughs> but no, for real, because like you remember we talked about this earlier, how Biden and Kamala inevitably fall into that like conservative politics. And then we talk about black conservatism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, are these people in that same bracket? Because these names giving me old black people and they're not interested in the same things that I'm interested in. Yeah. Are, they, are they old black people? Um, I said, who is these people? Because I honestly, I, I honestly, I kind of tuned out of that election stuff, especially when Trump got weird and tried. None of them are old, old, but none of yeah, them are young. Old. None of them are like a splash where it's like clearly this is. I think the one that I kind of through doing my research was um, Michael Regan, the uh, Environmental Protection uh, Agency. I only think that's important because I think oftentimes. Um, the EPA and just how we talk about climate change, we don't talk about how that impacts black people differently in terms of like where we're located in terms of housing and how we often have like landfills by our house and how we often live mm-hmm. by chemical plants and all these different things. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, I'm assuming that because this is a black person that he's going to do that stuff where I think that, and we talked about it last week, that just because Biden has tapped certain people to certain roles doesn't necessarily mean that they hold policy positions that necessarily benefit black people and that's i think i think that yeah i think that's the main thing is like you know you can have a diverse cabinet by just not having all white men but that doesn't mean that you not having all white men is necessarily good for me pushing that yeah and that's my thing where and we talk about this all the time how the democratic party is kind of split up and especially like the black vote right because you Mm -hmm. have black older crowd who is in they're okay with doing certain things especially if they got a little money and then you have like the young progressives who want to exist on this like oh free health care and all of that like that platform like like you said him playing in this position it's 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 gonna impact us a lot and like if he's not necessarily keeping in mind like okay it's like you said like certain plants around you know this is a train station right here like, yeah, like that has environmental consequences for the people right. living around it. Yeah. So, and like, I also think that, I th- and Mackenzie jump in here, I think that um, one thing that I've thought about a lot is that Biden has kind of staked his claim on like, let's return to normal. But if you're, you know, black or if you're poor, if you're a woman, re- normal's not necessarily good at all. So yeah. it's like, what are you, if, if your claim is return to normalcy, like black people and black women been struggling. So like, what's that? What does that normal really mean? Yeah, and even like his campaign slow, like build back. It was always like, let's go back to where, we, and it was just like, build back, back there wasn't all that good. Yeah. I mean, yeah, we, it was better than where we are I, now, but like stop acting like, you know, back was amazing. And I think we actually tweeted from the account today. I mean, this is kind of off subject, but um, AOC is trying to get Pelosi and Schumer out. So it's just kind of like- that. We need yeah. to be- we need to be we're we're even though that we're all in the same party does not mean that we're all on the same page and i think that that's what biden is going to have to like 
work on and and really like i think people are gonna have to push him and i and i don't really see that happening so far with the people he's picked i don't really see us moving forward and making actual real progress on it mm-hmm. that was about to be my question like with these picks how like especially with aoc she's the loudest voice right now right yeah she got elected by the people so when you say you know what i'm saying who are these people gonna be like the I guess let's say figureheads or the people like behind it, like scenes actually like putting forth the initiative, write the bills or whatever. Are they gonna have my interest at heart? Because like you just said, the Democratic Party right now is so split up. Yeah, it's all over the place. On the same page. And if we have AOC like F the speaker, then that's not that like what do we stand for? That's why I don't call myself a Democrat, because what the heck do they stand for? Even though I would say that I think that's a good thing to have that counter push, because I think that um, at a certain point, and I think this is like my general feeling about like kind of Pelosi and, you know, all the Democratic leaders, it's like they keep kind of changing the goalposts when stuff goes wrong and they largely blame black people for it. Like, oh, we didn't win enough seats. Oh, we shouldn't have said like defund the police. It's like, no, your messaging on everything else was just not good. Like, why are you like, why are you blaming everyone else? For your, you know, you got all, you had all the money, you had all the resources, you just didn't execute. But somehow mm-hmm. we're the ones who are getting blamed yeah. for it. Like, I just, I've never understood that. And I think that these younger members, I think they see through that, where they're just like, you know, you're a Democrat, but you're just going to promote the status quo and you're going to dance around the subject without doing the real work. And I'm mm-hmm. going to call you out for it because you kind of doing this little song and dance or like, I feel like if Democrats really were like, oh, we're going to do like, we're going to push like this police reform standard. I think AOC would be like, that's still not reform. You're not really changing anything. And I think that gets into our next topic. Um, But I just think that certain young, these young people who are coming in are just going to be like, y'all aren't doing enough. And like, I'm not going to hold my tongue and make y'all and make you feel better for this progress. Yeah. And you think that pushes the party forward? That, I like, think it at least makes the party come to grip with something. And I think, like, why not have the fight? Like, I think if I would rather, you know, Ayanna Presley and all these Black young female members, I'd rather them do it versus just kind of like, let's just get along for the get along and nothing gets done in general. And then it just stalls out. Like, kind of what they, they kind of do now. Yeah, do. like, kind of like, and that's what I feel like Biden is going to do is like, you know, and even Obama, I think he would kind of drive me crazy with this sometimes. If he's like, oh, you know, progress is incremental. And it's like, yes, it is, but it shouldn't be. And it needs to be called out on why it's going so slow. Yeah, like, <laughs> and I think that that's also another cop-out. Like, yeah, yes, there are processes that have to be done, but we're not even starting the process for right. real. Like, they and just like, keep yeah. leaning back on like, it's little steps and it's little steps, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. Yeah. Do the work, make the change, next subject, you know? And I just, I'm just kind of <laughs> over it and I am, um, go ahead, Henry. No, I was just saying, I agree with you. Like, I do think, especially older politicians, they kind of do the, oh, we're making little small steps. And even to my, my, to my like own perspective on how things should work, me and McKinsey have had arguments on this podcast where I'm like, well, this person has just did and did this. And it's like, well, no, they could have did this. So yeah, I, I, I can't help but agree that like we do need somebody there to hold them accountable. I guess I'm just wondering how does that like, you know what I'm saying, build up and become. Yeah, I mean, I think both should be done, but I also think it's like, 
it's it it starts to get offensive when the person who doesn't have anything on the line is telling me to like take the incremental step when that doesn't that doesn't happen in anything else in politics like where if it's like a rural problem or if it's a problem in like the midwest about manufacturing white folks are on that in two minutes trying to do as much as they can in the quickest way possible but when it's about us trying to get something it's like yeah you're talking about incremental progress because like your life's not on the line in this Mine yeah. i don't have i don't have time to waste all right, all right. So i guess that's kind of my thing so that actually segued into the next topic um so this has to deal with the minneapolis city council so last week they passed a budget that cut eight million from the 179 million dollar budget uh that was passed from the police department and moved to other services uh the city council initially debated a plan that would cut the number of officers uh but was stopped after uh the democratic mayor of minneapolis jacob frey declared he would veto the bill um I guess, like, what does this say kind of about the defund the police movement? I just, the irony that, um, you know, after Jacob Blake and all that stuff and, you know, him on the ground for eight minutes and somehow that only got an $8 million cut, I think, you know, the irony is just there. But, I mean, what does this kind of say about the, about the hiccups and the issues of actually kind of like this defund the police movement? I think I said this when we first started talking about it. There's no direct messaging behind what that means because for the young progressive who's just like on twitter consuming and not really digesting and contextualizing you know what i'm saying what's going on they're just like cut the police off we don't need them whatever right and for us it can mean three different things because we definitely had that conversation to where i'm like okay well for me defunding police could mean like putting certain legislation in place and maybe cutting down the budget on weapons and certain things like that and then i'm like we've had that conversation right yeah, yeah I, no, I think i think i mean in the most basic black and white term defund and abolish don't even mean the same thing the right. definition doesn't even mean the same thing right but like as far as this goes i mean now i mean okay like we did what, we did say what we just said but i do think that this is like progress i mean at least they did take some money away because then we got places like new york whose budget <laughs> didn't change adding, at all where they're adding yeah, yeah, they're I mean, adding to it. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, at least they are taking some money. Away. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes to the progress thing, but I also think it's like, in the same vein, Henry, I think when you kind of said, like, what does defund the police mean? I don't know, because I think it it means a, it depends on the nature, but I think, like, to me, the slogan's not <laughs> the issue. It's like, because, like, I can say defund the police, or I can say Black Lives Matter. Both, one is very different than the other, but someone who might be in congress or a politician or someone who has stake in the issue they're not gonna like what i say either and one is very tampered down and one is very ratcheted up so i think it's like it's a and you're like the messaging person so i think like what's the how do you deal with it when it becomes like you're not gonna like how i message it there's no liking of how i'm gonna package it so how do how the most boisterous person in the world but 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 i think that's but i think that's what people are going through and i think that's what people no, that's what i was gonna say like even within like what you just said like when you say what does defunding police mean if there's no concrete agreement on what that means how does me as a if i henry woods the politician how do i go in here and write a bill that satisfies you and myself what if i'm I, saying is i don't i don't think that, i don't think it matters I don't think it, I really don't think it matters. 
Well, to that point, well, what they did with Minneapolis right now and to what McKenzie just said, well, they they just cut a little bit of the budget. Okay, but then I was going to ask, like, okay, them cutting the budget, what does that mean? Because they can still go and over police. They can still get I agree. They can I agree. Do, I mean, like, that's... You know what I'm saying? Unleaked, like, they could break laws themselves, you know what I'm saying, when they're supposed yeah. to be... I mean, I think that's my that's my main point is that I think like the whole thing is kind of a cluster, and I think it kind of exposes people's um, contradictions in the argument where it's like defund the police is too brash, and it's like okay, you're not gonna like if I said okay, hey, we need to redistribute. Like you're not gonna like that either. Like it's at but a certain that, point. I, that's really my point, though. If let's say us as a young people, we like we got um my lawyer on here uh professor minor you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. when she finishes like i challenge you guys to get behind uh uh an initiative and just work on it right and we've mm-hmm. said to ourselves like we're we're kind of doing that we're pushing people to vote as much as we can right and that was our thing however let's say if us as a black young progressive people we got and we define like in literal terms defund the police means we want this much of the budget cut we want this law in place. We want only these police able to police us. And X, y. You have to define what you want. If you can't I say agree. I agree. want a million dollars, you have to set, expect- yeah. you have to set expectations. I have a plan to get there. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, even when you say Black Lives Matter, at some point um, when we had um, McKinsey's profile, uh, Jordan, she came mm-hmm. on and she spoke about how um, the Black Lives Matter movement, they got a meeting with Congress, but then you know, certain things happen in, in these protests and blah, blah, blah. And the messaging of Black Lives, Black Lives Matter literally becomes, you know, confused. We don't, right, we don't know what it means yeah. to where even others or different groups are Blue Lives Matter. Black Lives Don't Matter over mine. Or are you saying White Lives Don't Matter? You know what I'm saying? The messaging isn't clear. Um, so that that's my thing with defund the police. It's so ambiguous that Somebody can just hear it. I mean, take it as, oh, they just want the police done and over with. Or somebody can hear it and be like, okay, if we cut the budget, then we did something. We have yeah. to define what we want. Yeah, I agree. I think it flip-flops back and forth. I just think that at a certain point, um, it's like the slogan is one thing, but the meaning that you take behind it, what is that? And I think that at a certain point, no, but at a certain point, I'm saying is that like, People hear um people he, people hear the slogan and then they just go off on a tangent without actually acknowledging what it stands for. What could what, basic, it, what it could potentially encompass? It's like an umbrella, yeah, right? Yeah, and then I think people kind of get too in the head of like they try to make everything like oh it's a messaging game and like yes it is a messaging game but like we're talking about like black bodies and I think that gets lost in it where but like you're trying to. to Point of talking about black bodies, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's so much you could talk about within that because it, it like black bodies have been lynched, have been over police, have been just yeah. thrown, just disregarded for how long? So when we talk about protecting black bodies, do we mean we want equal representation in the court system? Do we want healthcare to where our women are able to conceive like our children and we're able to go and have certain, oh, my my arm hurts and be taken seriously. Like my man sitting next to me, he was telling me how he went to a hospital and his chest has been like having problems. They did an x-ray and said, you're good. 
you got asthma. Gave him a breath pump and kept moving. We don't know if that's a serious problem. So protecting black bodies, again, encompasses so much. So to the point of you saying messaging doesn't matter, it kind of does. It, do, it, it does. Have it does. Learn. I just... I just think people get too right, into like, the just weeds. Let's say the civil rights movement, the most black progressive whatever, like to me personally, that's the most time black people have progressed as a whole because they were clear on what they wanted. We could start from Rosa Parks. We could start from the marches. We could start at the March on Washington. They were very clear and intentional and deliberate. <laughs> The funny but thing this is, is I, also after the fact, though, I feel. Yeah, I was going to say, people probably at the time would probably not say that. Yeah, like because then you had like, you have Martin Luther King and you have Malcolm X coming up around. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, and you had a bunch of people. I'm saying so. You had two totally. When you're in it, it can be like different. Because I feel like all of these. I mean, Obama slogan, "Yes, we can." That could mean yes, we can abolish the police. Yes, we can defund the police. That could mean whatever you want it to be. <laughs> yeah, for like, real. what does MAGA mean? Like, I mean, we yeah, know what, what means, that but like, what, but like, no one. In. Like, no one asks, like, hey, what are the policy priorities behind MAGA? They only do that when Black people are asking for something. Okay, so this becomes my question. Us as Black people, what do we want behind defunding the police? What does that mean to us? Like, what do we want to happen? I think then what I would say is that there's so much wrong, the answer is going to be long regardless. Mm -hmm. And at that point, you have to really pay attention. So... I can rope you in with the slogan, but my answer is not going to be three words. It's a lot more. And I think so what older Democrats don't give them understanding is that this is just something to get you in. But I have a 15 pages of bullets on what the hell I actually want. But you have to come to me and listen. And that's the so missing who is that But one, who is that voice in person, you know what I'm saying, being that lady? I think AOC squad, AOC squad definitely gets they it. They're doing it. Okay, I yeah. agree with you. I mean, now, well, I don't know if they're doing it and they're actually at the table but order, but doing, I think that they're they at least pushing it. that yeah. narrative. I get yeah. you. And, then and two, I think, go ahead. No, I was going to say, I think, kind of, I think the better part about this compared to the 60s is that it's not just tied up into one person where the movement is literally a movement. There's no one figurehead. It's like everyone's doing the work in individual places and pushing locally, pushing nationally. It's not like we have MLK as a spokesperson, but if something happens to him, then we're kind of screwed. Where I think the no, good bad. part about it is that there are a bunch of change agents, people who we do know, and probably people who we don't know who are doing more work than anybody else. Facts. But I think that's so the my second question was defunding the Minneapolis City Council defunding or you know cutting a budget by a million is that enough and like McKenzie said is that a step toward progress uh, I mean I it's an uh, I don't know if it's enough but if you start looking at these budget breakdowns and all of these random bonuses some of these police officers <laughs> get and all of these random things that they get Will it, will, is that going to stop keeping racism off the streets? Probably not. But will that allow some people to stop getting six figure checks from being racist on the street? Yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, but like $8 million is going to probably hurt a lot of people. That's my question. What does that $8 million realistically do? That's what I want to know. It's going to hurt their pockets for sure. The funny thing is, I don't even think it's about that. I think literally the $8 million, I mean, that's like, that's like, that's a lot to us, but like, Hold on, let me do this real quick. What's eight divided by? That's eight? not even a real percentage. If you talking about out of 179 million dollars, they only cut eight. That's not a real percentage. Yes. Look, that's 
I mean, the only good thing to take it from it is that they said they're they're taking. They said, okay, we gonna do something to shut them people up and keep it moving like we're doing with this big fat. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that. I don't think like okay, yeah, it's it's not doing much, but I mean, I'm happy to see that. Then to see NYPD getting more money to their budget, like, and I think the good thing is is that they said like we're taking this eight million and we're not just cutting it and it's going nowhere. We're putting it in other places. So I think like hopefully that means that they're doing more mental health counsel, like more mental health, like social services. Like hopefully those are getting a boost from this. But I think like optically, like optically it looks good, but like do the police still have guns? Yeah. Like all right, yeah. like, what's going on with the people who are prosecuting? Our yeah. government not sh- didn't we say that at the top of the podcast? But I do think it gets an interesting thing of like this is progress. Like them cutting eight million, that's something. Is it something that we want or is it something that we think is really impactful no that's kind of how i feel is it something y'all funny because y'all was just talking about gradual progress with biden i said that i said that before i even answered that question i said i know we just said this like i know we did but like i can't completely beep on like you know like yeah I think it this depends on the issue you know i think it depends like is this a good is this a good thing yes is it like really impactful i would say no but i think like am i glad that would i rather them not do it at all like of course not i'm glad they did it but like hopefully somebody don't get a christmas bonus check sorry that's gonna be my win right now (laughs) okay so with that we should move on to the big fat big fat boom big fat i hope we have we spent a lot of time on them first three topics we're gonna um so another so one thing that has been in the news a lot um since Trump lost the election in November, the federal government has put three prisoners to death. Orlando Brown, uh, Alfred uh, uh, Borges, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, and most recently Brandon Bernard, uh, all three black men. Uh, this is the last, this is the first time that a president has sentenced a federal prisoner to death after uh, an election since the like 1800s, I think it was like 1887. Uh, so last Friday, Brandon Bernard was executed by the federal government at 40. Uh, for his role in a double murder in Texas, Bernard burned the car after the after uh, the persons that who that his friends kidnapped were shot. He was only 19 at the time. He did not actually kill them. Um, the federal government has executed nine prisoners this year, with three more uh, inmates on death row, including one woman. Uh, Biden has vowed to eliminate the death penalty on day one. Uh, what was interesting to me is that 28 states still have the death penalty. Not many of them act. Actively Are most of them Southern? I mean, you would be surprised, bro. I mean, it's like the Northeast is basically the only places that don't have it. But largely, if it's 28 states, there are not that many states in the South. So that means that there's a lot of other states that, that have it too. Um, I mean, I think, you know, especially the Brandon Bernard thing last week, I mean, that was just sad. Um, oh, bro. And I, and I think that's something that needs to be, you know, especially on the state side. Like if 28 states still have it, um, you know, who knows what could happen, but this is something that needs to go. Like and you talk about protecting black bodies. Y'all need to go look up Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy, that movie that came out last yeah, year. That's a really good example. Yeah. Um, he literally, his whole career was after literally like going on, pick getting death row clients off because they were falsely accused. Uh, and that, like reading that book, like read the book before you watch the movie because the movie does not, does it. 
do it. Yeah, I heard general. the book goes in a lot more depth. Yeah. Right. And it it and that's what I'm gonna say, like to the point of let's say, you know, say if Biden was to, you know, vow to eliminate the death penalty on day one, the legislation that's gonna come behind that because it's so embedded, like the process that Brian Stevenson, the man the lawyer I just referred to, the stuff he had to go through, especially during that time period. Yeah, in the 80s. Um, yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? So it's just the, the legal process. Like, and we all know the legal system is just drawn out. It's long. It's it's built for you to become disengaged with it, to be honest. Uh, us primarily. So when you think about like trying to potentially get these people off death row, the processing behind it is so meticulous. It's ridiculous. And for me, it, it's sad that, like you just said, it's 28 states. We got how many states? 51, 52? I don't know. That, we have, we have oh a straight, Lord. we have, oh we have, uh, come on, civics lesson, we have a straight 50. I said so that $8 million should have went to education. <laughs> Hold on, pause. Y'all know I keep a little chill out. <laughs> you better watch out on that. But besides that, um, we have 50 states, right? 28. Like, if you was to count half, that's you know, that's more than half. That's ridiculous on yeah. um, that more than half of the United States still believe in convicting and putting people on the death row. Like, you are not God. And how do y'all call yourself Christians believing that you could do this type of stuff? Yeah, I never supported the death penalty. I just, I, I just, you know, believe in what y'all believe in, but I don't think anybody has the right to. Or y'all remember when they used to somebody up like, what'd you say? They used to put some of these on TV. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I never remember. I do. Um, that is so crazy. But no, yeah. like it's just it's it's really sad. Um, and I think that that's I don't. Has there been a lot of buzz for real in Congress? Like no. somebody on the. I mean, of course, it's like the people who you would expect saying something. But I think what was Kim more alarming. Was. Yeah, but like more alarming is that. Um, you know, Trump, he first started this in 2017, but like before that, it hadn't been, it hadn't happened in like 20 something years. And I think that's the part that needs to be talked about is that it's not like he's just doing something that people did, but he's like accelerating it. No, he's doing something that like recent presidents have just not engaged in. And that's what I'm about to say too, like to the point of it being Trump that did it. This, he's trying, like his power, like his urge of control and power, oh, I'm in charge. He did this for some ego stuff. I, I like that's just how. Yeah. But correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like I read. I mean, it was on Twitter. Um, but somebody has said that Obama had the chance to like turn around one of these conventions. And my understanding is that he had the chance to. I don't think it was get him necessarily off death row, but like limit the sentence. Or there was some because he wasn't on death row when he was when Obama was in office, but. There was something about it where he could have basically not like freed him, but basically said like, you have a fixed amount of time in prison left. Like you can go, not like you're just here. Mm -hmm. And um, I haven't gotten, I haven't read like an explanation on why or why they didn't. I'm sure I would, I would like to know because I think that's, you know, stuff always seems to come full circle. Yeah. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, so now I guess we can get to the big, uh, to the heads up. We already did big fact. So uh, coming out tomorrow on Netflix is Ma Rainey's Black Bottom starring wow, Chadwick Boseman and Viola Davis. Um, the film is based on an August Wilson play. He also did Fences and it is produced by Denzel Washington. So 
especially after you know R.I.P. Chadwick. So I think everybody should. I don't know if I'm ready, y'all. I really don't know if I'm ready. It's gonna be so creepy to watch. I'm gonna watch. I def gotta watch. I want to watch, but I just I have still have not been able to watch like any of his old movies or nothing because it just it still hurts me for real. Yeah. Plus, I'm I'm excited to see Viola Davis because he's great and everything. Yeah. He's definitely great. Um, more so for me. I think I am interested. Like I've watched, like I like you know when we found out the news or whatever. I went on this big like binge of all of his movies, even to pan a form or Amazon type thing. So like for me, I think it's gonna be real because I've I've literally like now it's sunk in my head. Like like he's gone and for like I met this person, bro. <clears throat> and for me, it was at a very pivotal big time in my life. When, when did met- you meet him? No, don't give him the air for that. Uh, he, you know he just wanted to drop that in. Yeah, yeah, I was don't, like... Don't um, give him the air. Don't give him the air. <laughs> no, it ain't even that. No, on some it real... like his a pivotal speech. moment in my life, and... Oh, wow. Okay, wow. Okay, awesome, like... But now, he did give a great speech at that graduation. That was letter... Really that's what I was about to say. He shook my hand and went up there to go give that speech, bro. Like, your hand, your hand speech, was... Your hand and your was, head... <laughs> And your hand was pivotal in him turning them pages as he was reading his speech. It all see, look at that. It comes full circle. Hey, 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 y'all next. not gonna y'all not gonna cloud my sunshine. I sure won't listen. But next, all right. Uh, <laughs> so next I'm up, excited for that movie. Yeah, me too. Uh, next up is philanthropist Mackenzie uh, Scott. I'm not even gonna say uh, who she was married to because that is really not the issue here. Um she donated $40 million to Morgan State this week, and she also gave $6 million to Tougaloo College, $25 million to Alcorn State, in addition to giving $25 million to Bowie State, $20 million to the University of Maryland East Edgeport, $30 million to Virginia State University, and $40 million, of course, to our beloved Howard University. In total, she has given $4.1 billion to charity in the last four months. Shout out to her because she got the dance bag. Dance make you dance. Yeah. Like, look, look, I seen a post on Twitter that was like, "Hey, that Amazon wife, f with the blacks." <laughs> yeah, crying. no, I, I mean, think also, also like, please great. don't talk about Howard. Don't talk about Spillman. Don't talk about. Yes, we did get hella money this year. I will say that, but y'all got some money too. I am happy that she spread the wealth to smaller HBCUs who don't necessarily get the shine. I'm super happy about that. So we can like end the whole beef. Yeah. And mainly the funny thing is what I wanted her to do is press other billionaires be like, yeah, what y'all doing? That part. I'm giving like, I think, and her plan was to give away, I think half of the fortune that she got, which would be, I mean, that's like life, that's life changing stuff. That's Especially, yeah, life-changing. I don't need that money. Got yeah. my own so, rent. Hey, keep like, giving it to the black colleges. I, I, you know, or, some, or or just black alum personal checks are also right. You know, well, I, I got a zip. <laughs> uh, we take look, all forms of payment. <laughs> look, she might fund the next stimulus. No cap, okay? She might do that alone. <laughs> She'll give uh, us more than six hundred, apparently. Look, so shout out to her. Uh, last thing uh, for a podcast note is the Georgia election for all of our ATL folks, for all of our Georgia folks, whether you are in Georgia or not. Be sure to turn in your ballots before the January 5th deadline. Um, You can visit votesaveamerica.com to learn how you can vote today. 
Um, them current Georgia senators are literally terrible. They hate black people. I'm not making that up. And there's a black man uh, running in that seat. Uh, uh, so go vote. The polls have him up today. Let's actually uh, let's go send that. Hey, and speaking of a black man at HBCUs, Warnock went to Morehouse. So y'all need to go vote for my man's uh, uh, offset. I call him offset. But he's cool off, too. But it's okay. Yeah, yeah. So go vote for Warnock hey, and, and offset. <laughs> Hey, Warnock and Offset about to turn up in there. Hey, for yeah, real. Yeah, no, we need them seats. We we really do. Uh, you know what I'm saying? I would just vote. Them shirts back on sale, so go and tap in. You know what I'm saying? Make sure y'all pushing in. The early election started on goddamn the 14th. If you haven't right. voted, you go vote. You can't request your absentee, absentee no more, so go mask up. Turn that vote in, please. Um. And pull up yeah. the black masquerade. Fine. <laughs> oh, and I was about to say that too. You know what I'm saying? Make sure if you is in ATL and you bought it, got that gonna pull up to the black luxury. You know what I'm saying? Tickets on Eventbrite, or you can go to the umbrellanetwork.co. And thank you to our special audience, our guests, our supporters, our loved ones, everybody. You know what I'm saying? We've grown 260. This got that 2020. We didn't put out got over. 800 and something minutes out here. We got 22 episodes all year. Followers went up by 83%. The streams went up 123%. And if you still listening to my loud Aggie voice, I ask that you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, at WRGO. You um, got dang on like, subscribe, share, tell your mommy, your daddy, sister. Y'all, the holiday is coming up, so just listen to us. We're going to inform you, keep you informed on what's happening um, and what's really going on. YouTube, Spotify, SoundCloud, every got dang on streaming platform you got. So, yeah, man, we out. Peace.